Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's the weekend. It's all about sports. And it's all on Sal's mind. It's Sports Talk Saturday with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, let's get right into it. Sports Talk Saturday, back in the saddle here. Good to be with you, Sal Capaccio. Thanks a lot, Nate Geary. He's been manning the fort here for the last few weeks as we go through the transition of uh, Matthew Collar, now in Minnesota. You hear Nate, you'll hear me. Pretty much the way this is going to work is uh, when the Bills are home or off like this weekend, I'll be here when they're on the road. I'll be traveling. Nate will be uh, hosting Sports Talk Saturday. So good job, Nate. Thanks a lot. And he's here as well today producing the show. So you can uh, hear some of his opinions as we go on. But I want to hear from you today. The Greg Roman firing, obviously, first and foremost, on everybody's mind. 803-0550-888-550-2550. Yesterday was an interesting day, obviously. It was a very strange day to happen so soon here in the season. And it's a day now that, you know, I think we could all point to that really kind of puts a bit of a, uh, a lot more pressure, I think, on... Rex Ryan himself in the organization and going forward with this move of the firing of Greg Roman. There's been a lot of reported out, a lot of things reported out there about it, a lot of speculation about it. I'll tell you what I know and what I've learned over the last 24 hours since this happened. Now, yesterday, I got to thank uh, Paul Hamilton and Brayton Wilson doing a great job uh, down at One Bills Drive. I was in and out yesterday, unable to. Uh, be right there in the epicenter when this was all going down. They did a great job of bringing you uh, the story, the sound. I was on with Chopin the Bulldog, kind of tried to give some clarity at that time. Since then, been poking around, found out some things, and it's not necessarily any sort of revelation or breaking news. I will just back up and tell you that what Rex Ryan said yesterday at his press conference is what I was absolutely told. Sources have informed me that it was his call. This was his call. However, there was a lot of discussion about this within the organization before the actual call was made. Rex Ryan, this did not come from Terry Pagula. This is not. This did not come from Kim Pagula. This did not come from Russ Brandon or Doug Whaley. This was Rex Ryan's call in, with support, however, of the ownership once he decided to make the call. They always meet after games. Uh, they met early in the morning on Friday after the game on Thursday night. Rex Ryan had already been frustrated with the offense the previous week against the Baltimore Ravens. He was frustrated again Thursday night. In fact, so frustrated, I'll tell you that he basically dodged questions about it in the postgame press conference and only wanted to focus on how poor they were on defense, which is another story we obviously need to get into today because the defense was not good on Thursday, and then the offensive coordinator gets fired on Friday. And I know that's a topic on everybody's mind that you're going to want to get into. Rex Ryan decided that he felt there was a difference in philosophy and how the offense was running and what they needed to do going forward. My assumption here, this is not what I know. This is my assumption based on the other dots that you know have been connected and what's been told to me and reported that 
you know, this was something that maybe he had been thinking about if they did not improve and did not not change course and change direction. And finally, it came to a head. And with the extra few days, as Rex said yesterday, with the extra few days, I understand that that, you know, you're going to make that move then. So this was his call. He goes to ownership during their meeting. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. And I will tell you that there was a lengthy discussion about this before it came down. It's not like Rex Ryan went in there and said, hey, by the way, I want to do this. Okay, Rex, go ahead and do what you got to do. You know, there's obviously we know that the Pagoulas have a lot of money, but there is financials at stake. You do have the highest paid offensive coordinator in the game that if you let go, you're going to basically paying to be paying to not work. Uh, this is a huge move as far as the change of continuity that the ownership and front office has been preaching for a long time. This is a move that puts a lot more pressure squarely on Rex Ryan. That's the thing here. I mean, I read it as, and I know some of you think, that this basically means that Rex Ryan is more of a, is consolidating his power. I actually think it's the other way. I think now this actually puts him a little bit more in the crosshairs because, you know, ownership now can say, look, if you're going to make this move, if you're going to make this move, this is on you. If this does not work, then you've tried this. You you brought in your brother. You brought in Ed Reed. You're going to make a change with the offensive coordinator two weeks into the year. If this doesn't work, this is on you. So I think this actually puts him on softer ground, not more terra firma here, as much as some of you might think it's the other way. I don't know. But I want to get your thoughts on all of this today. All right, I want to get your thoughts. I haven't been able to Get in and take phone calls on this as of yet, and it's just kind of fresh in everybody's mind still. 803-0550-888-550-2550. Your thoughts on what went down at One Bill's Drive yesterday, the firing of Greg Roman going forward. Will it make any difference? Anthony Lynn comes in. We'll get into Anthony Lynn a little bit later. We'll tell you uh, what we uh, know about him. There's not much. He's only been a running backs coach in this league. You know, there's no book on him. There's no, how is he going to run an offense? We don't know. Plus all the logistics of actually changing up anything on offense two weeks into a season is not ideal. You just can't do that. So we'll talk about him later as well. Today is the return of Three Dogs Saturday. We're going to be barking out those dogs today. Remember Three Dogs Saturday? I've been doing it for a few years. I didn't even keep track of my record last year. I should have. I was, I think it was a little over 500, though, if I think back and kind of remember how it went. But that might be me just kind of embellishing because I don't know what my record was last year. I should have. The last two years before that, I was over 500. So I've done pretty good on the dogs. My, my first year, I killed it. Second year was eh, not as much. And then last year, we did it. And I, I was, I think, right around a little over 500. But basically, the way it works, if you're new to it, Three Dogs Saturday, every Saturday that I'm on the air... During this time slot, I give you three NFL underdogs that will cover the spread. And we'll do that today at uh, during the 12 o'clock hour sometime because we're only here till 1 o'clock today. Only till 1. Nate, what do we got going on? Baseball today? Yankees, Red Sox. Oh, my Yankees. They blew it. They blew it the other night. Was it also another walk? They lost, they lost 7-4 yesterday, did they not? Yeah, but I mean, last night wasn't a bottom of the ninth walk Oh, no, win, but, right? it was but two nights they've ago. had the opportunity here. I, I think we talked about it on the postgame last week, Sunday. Or was it Sports Talk Saturday? And I asked you, and you said, well, I think that they're, they don't have a shot at the AL East, which I think was now basically known. Right. But they still so. have a shot at the wild card. That's tough. Yeah, it's That's tough. tough. That was a tough loss. They were up, what, 7-2 to two yeah. or... Or was it 5-2 to or something? Lost 7-5? to 5-1, ah. I think. There you go, up. in the yeah. bottom of the ninth, so... Yeah. Shut up, Red Sox fans. I got a lot of Red Sox fans that come at me, too. 803-0550, 888 
552-550. So we'll get into that a little bit later, Three Dogs Saturday. And again, we'll be here until 1 o'clock today. Taking your phone calls here on Sports Talk Saturday. Good to be back with you here at Sal Capaccio. Let's go out to the phone lines. Paul in Buffalo. Hi, Paul. You're on WGR. What do you think? I cannot hear Paul. Can you hold on? Okay, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. Start over, buddy. You're on now. Oh, okay. I listen to your guys' show all the time. Uh, like Howard and Jeremy in the morning always are preaching how this is a, a passing league now. It's no more longer run. I think that it was 100% Rex's decision, but I think it was also like influenced by the Pagulas because they, you know, they're smart people. They look around and they're like, listen, this isn't working. This is back in the, you know, the, this is how football started with the ground and pound. It's changed. we got to do something. And they look at Rex and say, what are you going to do? Okay, let me ask you a question. What? Why do you think that happened after I just explained to you from what I was told, and it's kind of my job to know these things, that that is not true? Well, I, I'm not saying that it came from, because they had their meeting. You know, right. Rex always says. But they have a meeting every after every game. And I think it finally came down to... Okay, I'm asking you. You think that. That's fine. What gives you reason to think? You just have a hunch, even though I told you that's not true? I'm just asking. Well, I think that because I think the Pagulas are smart enough to look at the rest of the league. And then- I know that. I understand that. My, my, my point is, why do you think... Uh, my, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is, do you just not believe what I told you that that's not true? That's all I'm asking. No, no. I'm, I'm believing... Like, part of it. Like Okay, okay, I got you. Go ahead. Go, I, I, sorry to interrupt. I just don't understand. I tried to explain to you that's not the case, but you tell me you think differently. I'm wondering if you have any sort of information or something. No, I don't. I just, just I'm a business owner myself, so if something's not working, you sit down and you look and say, why isn't this working? And Which is what Rex Ryan did, and whether you like the decision or not, that's what he did as the head coach. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not saying I dislike it or like it i mean i we, we got to do something because we got to start winning games and it's a pass heavy league and we do have weapons like he said and i think they all sat down and basically yeah rex had to make some type of move or some type of decision and that's what he did he just said we need to get it that's correct that's what rex ryan did not terry and not kim pagula i am telling you you can choose not to believe me paul that they did that that was not because of any influence from them but i'm telling you that you can choose not to believe me oh i'm not look what do you i mean nobody the only people are really going to know is terry and kim and rex because they sat down in the meeting but i'm sure that was brought up like they look at him and said rex what's going on what what are we going to do to fix this you know here's what we think what do you think and then Rex probably ultimately said, yeah, I've got to get rid of my offensive coordinator. You guys, you know, are right. This is probably a pass. So you'll just keep going back to they're the ones that gave him the idea. Okay, that's fine if you want to think that. Again, no matter what I tell you, obviously you'll think that it came from them. Let's go to Ray and Clarence. Hi, Ray. You're on WGR. Uh, you know what? I just think this, this signifies the beginning of the end. What The thing that I can't understand is the same offensive unit you know, minus Cordy Glenn for this game. But, you know, Roman got Watkins involved last year. We had, I don't know what happened going into these first two games. And what I was really stunned about, one of Roman's, uh, I thought, strengths was his game planning. When the Bills came out last year, they, they just a lot of times marched down the field. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's just a fluke thing for the first game. But it happened again, Sal, in the second game, these little – Weak, unaggressive game uh, uh, offensive calls. I mean, like the one I think it was to Clay, a two-yard pass on the out. It's like 
What's happening? That was a strength. I don't know. I agree with you that he really was good at game planning and coming out first drives, maybe second drives of games almost all year last year. It seemed like they scored, didn't it? Yes. And, and you know, and there was a stat going into last week um, <laughs> that Roman was 7-0. and Yeah. You know, I, I made a big deal out of that. People think I jinxed him. Sorry. No, well, like, <laughs> you start hearing a, a, a stat like that. I know. It's going to go the opposite way, like Fitzpatrick, 1-7 and seven against Ryan or whatever. I'm like, oh no, it's going to go the opposite way this time. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, what? What happened to Roman? I mean, it was, it was. I don't know. I mean, he's still a great coach. I don't. But to me, this is just the beginning of the end for everything. No, I understand. I understand. And um, the, the Charles Clay thing—that's a good point you made. I tried to bring this up yesterday uh, in the morning, even before all the firing, when we were talking about uh, on the air when I was in with Howard and Jeremy about you know what was going on with the team, the offense, and things like that. Why does every pass that Charles Clay gets, and why did it, and Boy, here we go. You know, I'm going to I'm going to bring up things that was that were happening with Greg Roman, yet we've already moved on. So forgive me, but I'm going to do that. But why were why was every pass that Charles Clay was getting, every target, how come every one of them were outside the hash marks? He's your tight end. Shouldn't your tight end be catching passes in the middle of the field? They still did not work the middle of the field. After all these months of telling us that was going to happen after I saw with my own eyes they were working on it in training camp a lot. Charles Clay was in the middle of the field. Greg Salas was in the middle of the field. They worked on this stuff a lot in training camp, and yet they go out there, and it just for two weeks they can't throw to the middle of the field. Now I understand game situations versus practice and training camp and all that is different, and the speed of it is different, and what you see and how teams game plan, all of that is different. I mean, there are professional coaches on the other side and professional players also you know, putting you in a position to not succeed. Of course, they have their own game plan. And I believe that, you know, in week one, Tyrod Taylor, having formerly been with the Baltimore Ravens for four years, that's a big, big part of why they were able to kind of have a blueprint on him. But how come for two weeks, after all this talk about middle of the field and tight end, getting them involved, every time the tight end gets a pass, it's a, it's beyond the hash marks. It's on the outside. It's by the numbers near the sideline. He's your stinking tight end. Throw it to him over the middle like everybody else does in this league. What what is what is so hard about that? That I think is part of the problem here. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know, but I certainly think Rex Ryan's feeling the pressure by doing this and making this move. But I also think it puts more pressure on him. Some of you might think that he you know by making moves like this he buys himself more time. I don't really see it that way. I see it as, hey, if you're going to make this move, it better work or it's on you. But we'll see how that goes. Let's go to Dan in North Tonawanda. Hi, Dan. You're on WGR. Good morning, Sal. Thanks for taking the call. You're welcome. Hey, now, my, my quick question is, how much influence do you think Rex actually has on the offense? Because much like the last caller, it, it seems like night and day with Greg Roman. And the only thing that I was, I was concerned about is, okay, if this you know, lack, of, lack of passing attack was under direction of Rex, are we going to see more of that? When Lynn takes over. Well, if you read between the lines, Dan, and, and if you read and you listen to what he said yesterday, it sounds to me like he was upset that they were not throwing the ball more and getting the ball into the hands of wide receivers more, especially Sammy Watkins. But it sounded to me like he's upset about the opposite, that they're actually were, where they were trying to run the ball too much and not throw the ball more and do more of those, I guess, today's NFL type things. So, so that's how I read it. I, I don't know if that's the case. I think Rex has a has a stigma to him. Has a uh, and, and and this is by, by the way, I understand this, and it's probably true. 
He's a defensive coach. He's been ground and pound. It's followed him everywhere. He said that yesterday, and I think that's true and that's fair, but it seems to me if you if you listen to him yesterday at the press conference and you read what he said, it sounded to me like he was basically saying, we need to throw more and need to get the ball in our playmakers' hands more, not run the ball. And, and he even made a mention of, yeah, you need, still need to run the ball, but dot, 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 dot. That's what it sounded like to me. So... If that's the case, I think kind of we have like an opposite view of maybe what we would think the normal roles are here, right? Which is we think that Rex Ryan is normally the guy that's going to say, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, ground and pound. And Greg Roman might say, no, no, I need to throw it. I need to throw it. But then he appeases the head coach. I think it's the opposite here. It's what it seems like is going on, which is kind of super weird to me. Super weird that it seems like Greg Roman's the guy that was run, 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 ground and pound. And now Rex Ryan's like, no, please throw the ball. Please throw the ball. Okay, you're not doing that. You're not doing what I, Okay, I have to make a change. And I don't know. If that's what it sounds like to me. So I'm wondering if Anthony Lynn is going to be more aggressive. I wonder if he's going to spread the field more. I wonder if he's going to give Tyrod Taylor more opportunities to throw the ball to his playmakers. I don't think you can scrap the whole uh, playbook and start over again. You cannot do that on September 17th. You just can't. But... You can call different plays and have different philosophies and game plans according to the playbook you already have. So we'll see. That's going to be really interesting going forward. Let's go to Greg in West Seneca. Hi, Greg. You're on WGR. Yeah, hi, uh, Sal. Um, I am going to say that I really feel as though that Rex um, had an idea after the Baltimore game that he was going to let Greg Roman go after only scoring seven points on offense and having Tyrod return to his hometown and having his homecoming, I think that maybe him and Tyrod had talks about Greg Roman um, and being really restricted and is hammered as Tyrod got hurt, got hit on the field uh, on during that Baltimore game. I really think that uh, Rex had his, you know, his forthcoming with uh, Greg Roman, um, you know, after that game. Um, and being restricted only to seven points on offense. He was certainly frustrated after that game, Greg. I can tell you that in the post-game press conference, he was very frustrated. Uh, you know, he didn't. Rex will never throw people under the bus. He will never do that. I think that's what people love about him, who work with him and who play for him. That he's very loyal. He will never do that. He will take on. He will take on water for them. He'll take bullets for them. But he was clearly frustrated after the Baltimore game about the lack of offensive production. And I. I don't know if what you're saying might be true, but you could be right. He may have already had it in his mind, but I could tell you that he was not happy with how the offense looked in that game. And the reason why I say that, Sal, is is because, um, you know, they did only have five-day turnaround time uh, for the Jets to prepare, and obviously not enough time to do something like that. So I think that he pretty much waited, you know, until the 10-day time stretch uh, after the Jets game to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with the extra time, that's why. I don't know about Tyrod, though. It's interesting you bring him up, Greg. Thanks for the call. Um, His body language has not been good the last couple of weeks, and I know that that could just because be because they're not scoring. I get it. They're not moving the ball, and you're going to get frustrated. Lots of guys on offense, body language was really bad um, on Thursday night. Robert Woods, but we've seen that before from Robert. He's very emotional. He gets like that. Uh, he had one catch at the end of the game on the hook and ladder, that, you know, with 10 seconds left, that was it. That was his only catch of the entire game. Sammy Watkins, I think some of you said, and I didn't watch this on TV, obviously. 
Some of you said that there was a shot of him with his hands on his helmet, frustrated. I heard that on the radio. I heard that from callers. Um, Linemen walking to the huddle or to the line, which seemed like, you know, you're not, you don't have energy. You're not into it. You're not ready. I don't know. You don't have confidence or belief. I don't know. I just, it didn't seem like the body language was what I really hoped for and expected. And for through two games, one of the things that I, that's jumped out at me through two games, I wouldn't say so much about this on the Bills defensive side, by the way, this is really just on the Bills offensive side. We'll get into the defense later because they have, come on now, they are, they're not blameless in what's happened here in two weeks because Thursday night was ridiculous. But one of the things that jumped out to me over the first two weeks is both of the Bills' opponents, their defensive players, just were playing much faster than the Bills' offensive players. They were getting their first steps off quick, reading things, getting to a spot quicker, hitting harder. I just... I feel like the the Bills were a tick slow, if not more than that, in their first two weeks on offense. And I don't know if that's simply a product of not enough reps in preseason, the play calling takes too much time to develop, they don't have belief in what the play calls are. I don't know, but I think that is something that, there's something to that to me. There's something to that, and I think that's part of this issue wherever that may fall. Let's go to Sean and Erie down in Pennsylvania. Hi, Sean. You're on WGR. Hey, Sal. How's it going? Good, thank you. I keep, I keep hearing everyone talk about uh, all these problems and why they think Greg Roman got fired. I, and I'm, one thing I'm not hearing is the title possession, which is the, the, really the reason I think Greg Roman got fired. The defense is out on the field too long. It's putting too much pressure on Ryan. He's taking, you know, everyone's saying the defense is doing horrible, and they are doing horrible. But they're also getting way too much time on the field to get beat all day long. That is true, but here, let's, let me let me bring this up. And you're not wrong, but I will just put this out there. The, the, the defense started on the field on Thursday night. They did not get off the field until halfway through the first quarter. That's not on the offense. That's on them. No, I agree. I, I, like I said, I think the defense is an issue. They're not getting off the field quick enough. But a difference of 20 minutes on the field has yep. put some really bad numbers on your side of the field. Yeah, you remember remember what Rex said right here to uh, Shopin the Bulldog after the first game, Sean? He said, it's hard to play when you're always behind the sticks on offense. Right. And and that's that goes to your heart. Thank you very much. But I don't disagree with your point, and his overall point is right. If you're a defensive coach and you make your living calling defensive plays and being known for defense – then when the offense continually puts your defense back on the field and they can't score points and they're continually going three and outs, you're going to get frustrated. And you're going to think, I can't do my job. I'm looking bad by you not doing your job. And there's always ego involved in this. There's, this is professional sports. Come on. What are we talking about? And I think that was a big reason. But the defense had no one to blame but themselves on Thursday night for being on the field for so long, to be quite honest. Because the Bills scored. They scored 24 points on offense. And they threw the, even though they didn't get first downs, they scored on big plays. And scoring is scoring. I'd rather have a touchdown on the third play of the game that goes 70 or 84 yards than I, than I would to have a field goal after chewing up nine minutes of the clock. I just would. It's worth more. The defense did not get off the field. The Jets were four for four on the very first drive on third downs, one of them by penalty. We'll get into the defense too as we go on, but I want more of your phone calls today. Hey, it's just you. It's just me. Nate's here as well. No guests today. Just taking phone calls. I want to hear your reaction. 803-0550-888-550-2550. Sal Capaccio, we're talking about the firing of Greg Roman and where the bills go from here on WGR.
All right, taking your phone calls, reaction today. I feel like I'm back hosting post-game shows again. 803-0550-888-550-2550. These aren't post-game, though. These are post-mortems, I guess, on Greg Roman's tenure as offensive coordinator in Buffalo. You know, the Bills are not, uh, this is not the earliest the Bills have ever fired an offensive coordinator. In fact, it wasn't long ago. It was only seven years ago the team fired Turk Schoenert after the preseason, before the regular season started. Literally right before the regular season started, they did that. Amazing. But here we are again, and here we sit. And again, I'll reset in case you didn't hear it. From what I know, what I've been told, my sources tell me this was Rex Ryan's call. However, a very long discussion about it with ownership who supported his decision because he is the head coach and they want to give him the ability to be the head coach. And they felt that it was important that if he felt that this move had to be made, then they would support him. But this did not come from Terry Pagula. This did not come from Kim Pagula. This did not come from Russ Brandon. It did not come from Doug Whaley. It came from Rex Ryan. He brought it to the attention. He felt he had to do it. And then they signed off. Ownership, front office, especially ownership. Once they met after the game Thursday night. First caller calls in and says, well, I think they did this. That's fine. I think the Bagulas did it. That's fine. You can believe that if you want. I'm telling you different. And if you don't choose to believe me, that's cool. That's cool. You don't have to. I'm just telling you I know how it went down, and you can choose to trust that or not. Mark in Jersey City. Mark, you're on WGR. Go ahead. How you doing, Sal? I, I don't know. It's, it's just, this is really – this is not good. And uh, these things never end well. Schoner didn't end well. Um, him and Trent had a disconnect. I think Tyrod and Roman probably had a disconnect too. Maybe Roman tried to put more on his plate and he couldn't handle it. Because ultimately, Taylor's the one with the ball in his hands on the field. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't getting it done. And Rex kind of felt blowback because the defense kept getting put out on the field for long stretches of time and probably led to some of the just them wearing down late in the game. But at this point, you know, I've seen this act before with Rex. It's somebody else. It's always somebody else's fault. Four or five offensive coordinators in many years. That's just, you know, he had carte blanche here in New York. He he could get whatever he wanted from from Woody Johnson. At this point, he's just like Jeff Fisher. He's without the Super Bowl appearance. As many offensive coordinators as he had, he still wants to. When they get between the white lines, he still wants to run the ball. He's in their offenses, passing games are lackadaisical at best and it's just the same thing over and over and over again and now that all in and all that you know all that rhetoric that's all it is now it's just rhetoric it's empty talk you know it's that and they can do whatever they want and spin it however they want over there it's you know they don't have any accrued credibility they have none so you really can't buy anything that comes out of there All right, Mark. Good thoughts. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Let's go out to Joe in North Tonawanda. Hi, Joe. You're on WGR. Hi. I just want to talk about the court, the cornerbacks play. Yes, please do. Go ahead. We had Stephon Gilmore was drafted in the first round, and Ronald Darby was drafted in the second round. And on Thursday, they just could not stop the passes to the the sideline. No, they couldn't. They they had they had awful, awful nights. Awful nights. And you and Stephon Gilmore wants to get paid like a top corner in this league. 
Well, he needs to step up his game if he wants to be paid. He certainly did not play anything like that on Thursday night. I agree 100% with you. I mean, if this is a guy that believes he should be in the top three, which is what I'm told, around where he wants to be paid, he did not make any case whatsoever for that. In fact, I think that his his value went down in the Bills' eyes on Thursday night, not up. I believe believe you 100%. That was... That was utterly the most worst, the worst performance I've seen out of our corners all season long. And, and but I'll say this now, okay? I'll say this: people want to get on the defense, and it's fine because they gave up a lot of points. I do believe, though, Joe, it's more on the individual performances on Thursday than it truly was on the scheme. I don't think the scheme was the issue. We can debate how much pressure they put on or whatever. I understand there are always times to do that. But I think what you just said is really what happened on Thursday. Those corners just simply had a very, very bad night. Yes. And because the, the, the defense line was playing good with the stop and the run. 3.4 yards of carry they gave up. Yeah, I appreciate it, Joe. Thanks. I think it's a great point. And Stephon Gilmore, no way right now. I don't think he didn't deserve top three cornerback money anyway. And right now, from that performance, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even, right now, as it stands today, the way I feel, I wouldn't give him the franchise tag next year. You can't, you cannot be considered a franchise cornerback and that's what a franchise tag is, you cannot be considered a franchise cornerback if you let Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker have their way with you all night with Ryan freaking Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. You just can't. You want to be recognized as one of the best in this league? Well, guess what? On national television, when the lights come on, you play like one of the best in the league. That first series he had was awful. And then it just got worse, and Darby got worse after that. I'll give Ron Darby credit for one thing. I wrote about this at WGR550.com. He's in his second year. The kid kept competing all night. He, he was getting beat a lot, but he kept competing. He made a few plays down the stretch. But he gave up way too many plays. I don't want to hear about size. Those guys are monsters. I know. They're tough to defend. But that was supposed to be the backbone, the strength of this defense. You're going to run 46 this year. You're going to run that bare front. You're going to run Buddy Ryan's defense. Then you better have two corners that can play. And the Bills were supposed to. And those guys had awful nights on Thursday. Jimmy in Hamburg. Hi, Jimmy. You're on WGR. How are you doing, Sam? First, I want to say uh, I got a few things, if you don't mind. But first, I want to say thanks for all the, uh, the you know the effort that you put in and, and the time because you do an excellent job. I appreciate that, Jimmy. Thank you. Hours. But um, my first thing is, as far as the, the offensive playbook of Roman, does that playbook stay there, or does he take that with him? What is it? You know, is it is it you know, well, his playbook is his playbook, but obviously the Bills have learned it. So if the Bills have Anthony Lynn, who now has it himself, I mean, you know, there's no like ownership of, oh, I can take this particular group of plays with me. This is a copycat league. Everybody around the league runs a lot of similar stuff. I mean, heck, the Kansas City Chiefs run the same defense Rex Ryan does because Bob Sutton's their defensive coordinator. So they have the same playbook. So to answer your question, wherever Roman goes, he'll probably run the same stuff he did in Buffalo and San Francisco, but I expect this year at least, the Bills to look similar but different play calls because you can't just go with a new playbook at this point in the season. Right, so physically it's not like something you could just pick up and leave with and say this is mine. Well, he can do that. He, I'm sure he has all his stuff, of course, but the Bills also, I mean, the, the players have it as well. I mean, it's all on digital now. They know what it is, you know what I mean? So you're right. It's not like it's not like taking your ball and going home and no one else has a chance to use it anymore, I guess. Right, right. And then, and then my other thing, kind of piggyback off what the last caller said, I want to talk about the defense a little bit because I felt like they made a, a big stride that first game, even though we lost. And then this game, obviously what happened was the quarterbacks had a bad game. Um, I felt like we were getting a good pass rush. 
if you look at a lot of those plays, Ryan was just, you know, Fitzpatrick was just getting them plays off. I mean, barely before he was either going to get hit or, or, or did get hit. And, um, and then, uh, as far as the safeties, I mean, what 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 do you think's going on with them too? I don't I don't think the safeties had a great night, but I think this was on the corners. I don't know what was going on in the secondary, why they had so much, uh, why they had so much trouble, but they did. They had a bad night. The secondary, this, but it's really the corners. The, the safeties, I don't think were really all that bad. I think Aaron Williams had a few nice plays, a couple of hits in there. I know Jonathan Meeks got a little bit of time. And I know the middle of the field was vacated, but really the Bills were just playing man-to-man. They were playing cover zero. I mean, everybody's got a man. You just go. Go get your man. Man up and play. They didn't have a safety in the middle of the field, and they left Ron Darby on an island. They left Stephon Gilmore on an island, and they were not up to the test on Thursday night against those guys. Brian and Amherst. Hi, Brian. You're on WGR. Yay. Thanks for taking my call. I just know in the offseason there's a lot of talk about, hey, give Rex the time because we don't want to ruin – the continuity. Now, Rex made this move, you know, in week two. Isn't Rex concerned about how continuity affects coaching? Um, I'm sure he does. I'm sh- but but here would I'll give you what he would say if you, if you asked him this question. He would say, we still have Anthony Lynn, who's been with me since 2009, who's been coaching in this offense for the last two years under Greg Roman. I hear you. But, I mean, I, I guess by Rex pulling, you know, pulling the trigger on this move, isn't he saying that, hey, if you hire a guy underneath me, I'm not really that important, so continuity at this level. I know if i got a new boss and I'm like, I have to lay down now because I have a new boss, the continuity's ruined, that's not going to fly. And these guys are all professional. So, I mean, that whole continuity argument, I, I just don't think it holds a lot of water. No, I, I hear you, but you know, their, their, their attempt, the organization's attempt, going into this season was to be to have continuity and to give Rex Ryan time to put his players in place, his coaches in place, his system in place. But when you get to 0 and 2 and the head coach is the one that's taken the the heat because of the other hirings, because of the defense, he's going to find someone to make a change and apparently that's why it's Greg Roman's time to go. And that's the way it works. Peter in Hamburg. Hi Peter, you're on WGR. Hi, how you doing, Sal? Good, thank you. Just wanted to say a few things. Our offense is anemic, to be sure, but our defense is hemorrhaging in the secondary. They were eating those guys for breakfast. They made Brian Fitzpatrick look like an all-star quarterback, which we know he's not. So what do we do about that? Well, again, like I said, I think you tell me what you think. here. I'm going to say something, Peter. I'm gonna, I just said this a little while ago. I believe Thursday night was much more on the players than the scheme. I don't think now we can we can argue they didn't put enough pressure. I'm not saying that there aren't arguments to be made there. That's fine or things like that. But to me, Thursday night was about one-on-one battles and the Bills just lost them especially with their corners against the receivers. Well, I'm one of these guys that doesn't blame the coaches for everything. Right. And these boys millions and millions of dollars to basically play a game. And they should have their A game on because they're pros. They're just, just well. They should they should have been better than they were. And I'm, I mean, Stephon Gilmore owned it. I mean, he was in the locker room and he said that you know it was a bad night and he got beat. And Ron Darby said, "Well, we're human. We make mistakes." He basically did too. So it's not like they were blaming anybody either. I'm just telling you that you got to be better than that. You got to be better than that. They 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 weren't good and they know it. And that was a I, I think more of a performance 
to me, Thursday night's performance on defense was more about simply players who should be better than they were not making plays. We can look at the points given up. They gave up 37. I know. That's a tough deal. That's a lot of points. They couldn't get off the field on third down. I'm just telling you, I think more of the reason was bad corner play, some missed tackles, not as much of maybe we should have run this defense or put this pressure on a particular play. I don't know. That's what it seemed to me. You could disagree with that because, look at today, and really since Rex Ryan's been hired, he's been an easy target. Since he hired Rob Ryan, he's been an easier target. So you can say, no, 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 it's on Rex, it's on Rex, it's on Rex, it's on the scheme, it's on the scheme. That's fine. I get it. He's an easy target. I'm telling you, Thursday night, I think, was more on them. We can That 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 was just a bad performance by those players. 803-0550-888-552-550. Hang on the line. More of your phone calls. It's just us today. I'll be taking a lot of calls today. We have no guests lined up. Just you and me on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, back to uh, your phone calls here. I don't want to waste any time. Let's go right back out to it. Mike in Ontario. Mike, you're on WGR. I'm Sal Capaccio. Hi, Mike. Hey, Sal. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I just wanted to talk about penalties on third down that the defense took. I, I, I know Tyrod struggled and the offense doesn't look very good, but bad football, or sorry, not bad football teams, but undisciplined football teams take penalties on third downs. And I think if you look back at Thursday night's game, the Jets scored on their first four possessions due to third down penalties. The Bills had them cold, third and eight, third and 12, third and nine, and the Bills took penalties. And I just kind of was wondering, you're on the sideline, is that is that a discipline thing or is that a communication thing? Is it, what's the deal there? I think it could be a lot of things. First of all, I don't know if that stat is right, but I'm going to look. But I will say that the first penalty, Gilmore had a bad night, but he did not hold on that third down. You know what I'm saying? The first one that, that extended the drive, what Anumwa fell down. He literally fell down, and they threw a flag on Stephon Gilmore. And I think that sometimes is part of the problem. Right. No, but but my my thing is too that if if you look at if you look at the last two games, we were obviously the fan base, the media, uh, people in Western New York excited about the year. But it just looks to me like they're they're they just don't look. Like, they're disciplined, and I'm not saying that's... I I don't disagree with you. I I mean, it's obviously a problem. They take way too many penalties. They did last year, and it was a hallmark of this team. Um, No, I I mean, I can't tell you anything from the sidelines other than... Here's my take on it, Mike. I... I, have, I don't really blame coaching for guys committing penalties that they know are illegal. It's not like they don't know you can't hold or can't go off sides or false start and things like that. You know, I, I have a hard time doing that. But, you know, that those, those, those things obviously are the perception because that is Rex Ryan and that's kind of been where his teams have been many times, not always. And last year they certainly will and it's already been a problem this year. Yeah, I hope I hope they shore that up because I, I mean I, I don't want to say the season's over because I'm not I'm not that that much of a pessimist but I'm more of an optimist but I I, I don't know it doesn't look good and I I think I was listening to Murph this week and he said if you start the season 0 and 2 your chances of making the playoffs are 10 percent yeah so, I think it's like 12 you're right it's something like that yeah it's like 10 percent but anyways I all the best to the Bills and uh, let's keep our heads up and hope for the best <laughs> all right man we'll see what happens uh, next week Arizona comes in town woo. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals are coming after Ryan Fitzpatrick just threw for 374 yards on you. Hey, welcome in Carson Palmer and all your great receivers and David Johnson and Larry Fitz. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's go out to Bakari, I believe it is, in Cali. What's going on, Bakari? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I want to talk about formations and uh, play calling. So 
the formations. We we stack they stack eight and nine in the box, and we have a two maybe two receiver or three receiver set. And it's like, why don't you open it up if they're stacking so many players in the box? I don't understand. When, when okay, real quick, you can go back to the Patriots game, the first game last year with the Patriots. We were losing, and we opened it up. Every time Tyrod gets a chance to open it up with the quick hitches, you know, he does pretty well. But every time we go back to two wide receiver sets, they're stacking nine in the box. I've only been a peewee coach in my lifetime. But everybody knows if they're stacking nine in the box, you open it up, four or five wide receivers. Bakari, I'm with you a thousand percent, man. I'm going to tell you what I said on this radio station heading into Thursday night's game. I said, look, that defensive line is really good, and I think the Bills need to use more of the field and to do both of those things better, Bakari. I said, go three wide, spread them out, get them out of their base set, make them play nickel to get them out of their their front seven that they like to play and they can't tee off on you. And if you spread the field out, it will give Tyrod Taylor more windows to throw into the middle. Right, and you get a wide receiver on the linebacker. Right. He has like four wide receivers he can throw to instead of two. And then if you notice, if, like I look, I listen to the, I look at the, like the all 22, mm-hmm. I don't get there. Mm-hmm. I look at you guys, when you guys do it, I look online. You see how long the plays take to develop? I mean, the guy, Tyrod's sitting back there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, they're right, but look how long they take to develop. Yep, because you only have three guys in the route against five defensive backs. I know. I'm just a peewee coach. I know. Hey, you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong, and I hope things change, Bakari. I feel your frustration. Thanks, brother. I appreciate the call. Thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, what time is it out there? 8.57 in Cali. Bakari's fired up at 8.57. He is fired up couple in Red California couple morning Red at 8.57. I love the passion, Bakari. I hope you're fired up like that when the Bills come out to L.A. and Oakland and Seattle. Fired up at 8.57 in the morning. All right, we're 11.57 here. We're going to noon. We're going to 1 o'clock overall, actually. We're here for another hour, and I'm taking your calls at the uh, bottom of the next hour or so. We are going to get into Three Dogs Saturday, my first Three Dogs Saturday of the 2016 season, where I give you three NFL underdogs this weekend to cover. We'll talk about that, but we'll take a lot more of your phone calls. Hang on the line. It's just us today, all right? No guests. So you got open phone lines, 803-0550, 888-550-2550. I'm Sal Capaccio, and this is WGR Sports Radio 550. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 